All right, welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. And this week, from a very special game, innate, uh, very special guest, can't speak my words right now, uh, Gavin Buckland, Everton's official statistician, Radio Merseyside, Merseyside regular, and Liverpool Echoes Royal Blue podcaster. Uh, he's also an author. Gavin, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks, Gino. Yeah, fine. Good, good, Hope good, everyone's good. well. Say that again. Hope everyone's well. Yes, yes. Same with, with you. Same me. with you. Um, yeah, you know, it always helps. Always helps when we're winning, right? Um, <laughs> of course, of course, definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. Let's, uh, you know, it's always fun. We we want to get it right into these things because there's so much to talk about when we win. Uh, Everton, uh, one nothing, uh, one 0 win over Chelsea. Uh, two changes from the Burnley draw. Uh, Holgate in for Delph, Sigurdsson for uh, Hamas. Uh, Sigurdsson's penalty was the difference in the 22nd uh, minute. Uh, back to winning ways for Everton, the battling victory, a really good performance, a performance that we're kind of used to from the older Everton sides, the David Moyes sides, the 2000, 2000 fans at Goodison Park for the first time since March. Uh, Gavin, what do you think Everton's performance uh, in this match uh, this past weekend? Excellent. Um, disciplined. I always felt, uh, even though we hardly had the ball, I think it was a 28%, 28% possession. Um, yeah. we, we would, I thought we were always in control of the game. I know that sort of sounds a bit mad. Um, but I always felt that we had Chelsea, um, as I say, under control. Um, we were as disciplined. All the players put a shift in, as they say. Uh, lots of good performances all over the pitch. I was impressed the way we did, the way we defended. Pickford, one or two, obviously things that maybe could have done better, but he was excellent. And we, you know, we, we deserved our win, didn't we? Against the Chelsea team, I was slightly disappointed with really, but uh, can't complain. Uh, much needed victory for us after three or four games where we'd not really done done well. Matthew, yeah, I think this is probably the. I th- Probably the hardest in terms of like the form the teams are in. I think this is probably the hardest of the games we've got in this run, I would say. And um, I think Everton kind of nullified Chelsea, didn't they? I know, like Gav said, I think Chelsea had a lot of the ball and, and hit the post twice, but can't really remember Pickford having to make that many sort of goal saving uh, saves, really, can you? Apart from maybe the, the one from Kurt Zuma in the first half. Um, I thought also it was obviously great to see. 2,000 fans back in the ground, which I think um, gave, gave the players a massive lift as well, because I think um, you've seen it in other games where they've had fans, like how how much of an extra kind of motivation, how much of a boost I can give the players, and I think um, even though they're told maybe not to sing and shout as much in, in these games, I think um, you can certainly hear the crowd sort of roaring the players on, couldn't you? And, um, definitely inspire the, the teams. I'm not saying they wouldn't have won without them, but I think certainly serve as like a great source of inspiration, I think, on Saturday as well. Yeah, it was, um, it was great. You know, obviously, I'm not, I'm not over there in Liverpool. Obviously, wasn't um, a person who was, you know, even on a, on a list to get a ticket. But um, you could still hear over the, the computer um, speakers just the roar of the Goodison fans. And I, I just thought that was, you know, it made a huge difference, I think, just especially at Goodison, you know, um, you know, we say it a lot, but the fans, Everton, some of the Everton's fans are some of the most passionate, I think, in the in, in the league. And um, you know, I think that shows even just from the two thousand fans that were there. They were they were loud. They they were um, cheering the team on. It was uh, I'm sure great atmosphere for the players, and it was great for us just to see fans back in the uh, back in the stands and, and and you know rooting the team on. Uh, the first clean sheet since uh, you know. Tottenham in the Premier League, uh, which was on opening day. The defense was fantastic. And might I add, in a kind of, you know, shapeshift sort of way, four center backs across the back line, obviously Holgate and Godfrey playing out of position uh, as your fullbacks. Uh, they played fantastic. Gavin, what did you think of their performance? Yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, I think for the likes of Keane, it's a game he likes, isn't he? Michael Keane is a penalty box defender, so if you're sitting deep, that's the type of game. If you ask him to you know, play a higher line, that's when he tends to get found out a little bit because he 
know, on the turn, he's not he's not great. So that suited his game. Zesta probably suited me, and they both defended well, really, I thought, at the near post. Uh, I thought Holgate was excellent, too. I played right back before, of course. Um, but he was he was excellent, too. And I thought Godfrey, again, um, left back. He sort of uh, saw Caverts off and then didn't give him very much, did he, really? And I thought Godfrey looks a tremendous acquisition. Um, because of uh, several reasons, he's had a sort of strange start to his career. He was probably expecting to play, you know, as a centre half in a in a middle two at the back, and I don't think we've actually done that at all. But, you know, for him since he's since he's come to the club, he's played what right back, he's played centre half in a, in a three, and he's played left back for the last now you know for a couple of hours to play. Uh, and he was tremendous as well. And those those back four in particular were, were, were superb. Uh, I think Chelsea, I think, as you say, I think you're saying, I don't think Chelsea had a shot on targets after the 28th minute, did they? I think on, uh, on Saturday. That was even one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think so that was testimony to how well we defended uh, the, back, the back four. We're, we're excellent. And, uh, yeah, I think we had a little bit more protection probably off the, the two midfielders with uh, Sigson with playing. They could maybe sat, sat, sat a little bit deeper, but yeah, back four, pretty pretty well impressed by by them all. Well done to everyone. I think uh, Gal makes a good point as well about the type of game it was. I think definitely suits Michael Keane, especially a lot more. Um, like I think back to when we played Liverpool last year at Anfield and played that ridiculously high line in Marco Silva's last game, which doesn't doesn't suit his skill set at all or meaners really. And I think defending from deep. Um, where you know you just have to clear crosses and head balls away, it's definitely like Michael Keane's forte in particular. And I think obviously in in games where we're playing teams with maybe less of a threat than Chelsea, you might expect your fullbacks to sort of bomb on more than uh, Ben Godfrey and Mason Holgate did. But I think again, this game was kind of suited to them playing fullback in a way. I think because all they had to do was defend, and they both look like they love defending as well, which. Can't always say about fullbacks, so I think that maybe worked in Ancelotti and Evans' favour on Saturday as well, playing them there. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point you're saying, uh, Matty. There, I think the way by setting up, I don't know what you call it, four five one four two three one. The two yeah. fullbacks didn't have to bomb forward, do they? they, they no. I mean, if you play four three three, and we've seen it with Dina and Coleman, you, you you know your width comes from your fullbacks, doesn't it? But I think where Carlo got it right on, on Saturday was the fact that by playing four five one call it, you've already got two natural wide players who will be in the Charleston in front of you. So your two four backs don't have to bomb forward. But they did a couple of times to be fair. That's yeah. what that's what I liked about Godfrey, who's shown himself capable of like moving the ball up the pitch. Um, you know, and he and Holgate did that in the second half and I think that's a great attribute to have. But it was a pretty smart Tactical setup, I thought, by Carlo on on Saturday to ensure that the back four did just do that. You know, the back four defenders just defended. There was there was no need for them to uh, you know go bombing on like Dina has done and come to a lesser effect earlier in the campaign. You got to give some credit to Fabian Delph as well because had he not got injured at Burnley, (laughs) (laughs) you don't know know what position he might have played since then. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. The only thing is, I think playing. Be interesting to see. Do you know thoughts on this? Is like, is if you play four two three one or four five one, does Calvert Lewin get too isolated? Then in the four three three, do we get the best out of Calvert Lewin in that that, that I, side? I, mean, I, I think, in my personal opinion, the way we played on um, on Saturday, I, I think that. Calvert-Lewin was fantastic, just kind of in a different way. He just seemed to be – his hold-up play was really good again. Um, you know, he just seemed to be on the ball and, and kind of starting the counterattack in some way a lot. He seemed to be pressuring the ball. Um, but that's kind of the Calvert-Lewin that we're used to seeing in years past. Um, I think that the 4-2-3-1 or, or, you know, kind of isolating him up top there is uh, definitely not um, – I guess is uh, uh, is good for his you know finishing and, and getting him in the spots that he's been getting into to put the ball in the back of the net. But um, he's just he's so good at holding up the ball and and starting those counterattacks and you know sending Richie up the wing or whatnot. Um, 
that I think he just was, he was really good, just kind of in a different way than we've seen him be really good this season, just because of the role he was asked to play, you know? I think it would be much more of a worry, like had it been maybe a few years ago when you think he needs a lot more chances um, to yeah. put one away. I think now, if you look at him, you know, all of his finish, all of his goals are pretty much one such finishes as well and, and doesn't need any, anywhere near as many chances as he used to. Um, I think people just expect him to score now, doesn't he? Which, which means, you know, if he's, if he's only getting, say, one or two chances a game um, playing this way, I think people they feel a lot more confident that he'll stick one of them away at least, don't you think? And, and in fairness, uh, you know, if Yerry Mina doesn't jump in front of him on that corner kick, it's possible that he's got one in this game anyway. So you never know. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, you know, I, I still think that even when he's not scoring, he's helping us in that type of formation. It's just, you know, obviously you want to see him get on the score sheet, but if we're winning games and he's helping us like that, that's, uh, you know, that's always a good thing. Um, obviously this one wasn't a Calvert-Lewin goal that, that won us. It's Sigurdsson stepping up uh, to the penalty spot, taking the kick. What would you guys think of his performance? Gavin, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, he was excellent, wasn't he? I think he was played well against Chelsea last year at Goodison. Um, you're playing him in a position that he's probably most effective in, which is just behind the striker, isn't it, in the middle of the pitch. Mm-hmm. You play him out wide or in a in a sort of 4-4-2 four, four, even, you're not getting the best out of him. I mean, the, the season before last, when I think he got 13 goals, that was the role he played. Um, and you, you saw that on, on Saturday where he was, he was hugely effective. Is it create six chances for it or something like that? Um, yeah, he's, he's, I always think Sigurdsson for me is, he's a player of moments. He's not going to yeah. run a game for you. You know, he's not. He, he's going to, He's going to provide moments of quality during the game, and 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 he did that to a degree on on Saturday. Though he did work really hard as well, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of battling away on on Saturday. So he had a good game, and he was rewarded with a, a penalty. That it's one of those that looks stupid as if the goal he saves, but looks quite cool if he scores. Not really, uh, and that was uh, yeah. I, I think he deserved that. He gets stick, but I don't think he'd give him stick on on, on Saturday. He was. Uh, he was, he was excellent. Yeah, Matthew, how about you? Yeah, I think you've got to give credit where it's due and say um, he had an excellent game on Saturday. I think the key for Sigurdsson is just sustaining that form now, isn't it? Because I think even last season, I think he got a lot of stick, but I think even then he had you know, one or two um, you know, excellent games. It's just a case of maintaining that run of form now, isn't it? Which... Um, Again, like you look at him and think he's played a lot of football the last few years and whether he'll be able to keep it up with what five games or four games before the end of the year, whether that whether he'll need a break, especially giving up he's what thirty one now and like I said, basically played constantly for the last four or five years. Um but yeah, I think the position definitely suits him. I think it's a good point about him being like a moments player. He's not the kind of he's never really been the kind of player like dictates a game or controls a game. Um I think if you can kind of get more moments out of him, then that's um, probably the, the best you can hope for from Sigurdsson now. But um, just on the penalty as well, I thought, um, I know it didn't count in the end because he got overruled, but quite pleased that he kind of took responsibility of that over Richarlison. I know Richarlison kind of um, didn't come out of that looking particularly good. Um, but I thought, I think a lot of people talk about whether Sigurdsson is captain material, which I'm I don't necessarily think he is, but I think it was it'd be shit like you know a, a strong a, a weaker personality or like a, a less of a sort of leader maybe would have given into Richarlison there. I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean credit over to I guess I've given him a lot of stick, but I think you have to say when he plays well, he played very well on Saturday. Yeah, also you know with Richarlison, I mean he hasn't scored a goal. I believe it's in twenty-seven shots or whatnot. So uh, maybe a little bit of a goal drought uh, desire there for him. Um, trying to take the penalty, get get one on the score sheet. Um, but yeah, same same you know with with Sigurdsson, I was happy he took the penalty, and um, I thought he was really good. I, I thought he was um, you know much better than we've seen him in a long time, maybe since those. Uh, those early games in the, you know, the, the, the league cup. Um, I think he was, you know, really good at, you know, he found the right passes more than he didn't find the right passes. And that's, you know, the name of the game when you're playing that position. Uh, he seemed to kind of open up some space, find Richie down the left or 
find Dominic Calvert-Lewin or whatnot. And um, I think he played really, really well in this one. Um, obviously, another person who played really well was Awobi. Um, he's obviously in place of Rodriguez on that right side right now. Uh, Gavin, is this – I don't know if it's a better team without Rodriguez, but is it a good team for um, – a good chance for us to give him, you know, a good rest going through this break, especially with the amount of games we have going? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question, that. <laughs> um, I, well, I don't know. I'd like to see Rodriguez playing his quality, isn't he? But all like, he, he gets stick over his defensive capability. He, he's, he's a player, if you if the opposition, you, you, you'd want to see on the bench or you'd want to see rested, wouldn't you, really? Um, but I, I, take, I take the point that actually there's the odd game where you might want to... Uh, to give him a break, obviously it was forced upon us on uh, on Saturday because of his injury, uh, and it will be. I think he, he's sort of found a little niche for himself, hasn't he? We're playing wide right, which is not necessarily a position where I think he he wanted to play originally, say last season. But playing wide right, but not playing as a wing, you know, just playing as a more withdrawn player where he's got he's got he's got space to run into. Um, and he's also acted, play, plays defensively quite well as well there. And he's got like that sort of like that pocket of play on the right hand side, which I think he's really well suited for. And again, he was he was excellent. He, he'd be far better if he could cross a ball, of course, <laughs> Matthew, wouldn't he? But I think he's been he's been good uh, last. I mean, over the last three or four games, you'd argue that he's probably been our best player. You know, there's nothing nice to have. Uh, what do, you, what do you think, Matthew? Do you think he's, he's there or thereabouts? I think he's um, a good crosser away from being a good winger. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the point about Rodriguez, I just think, is like he's already had two kind of minor injuries already with us. And I think his record of the last four years is something like 16 injuries in mm. the last three and a bit seasons, which. Um, and I think he's only played something like two, two full games for Real Madrid or one and a half. Um, between like February and joining us, so um, didn't really didn't have a proper preseason either. So I think um, I would I, th- I think Ancelotti maybe might see this as a better time not not to not to not play him, but maybe just like I said, rotate him and maybe ease him back in from injury because um, especially with like the volume of games we've got in the next two three weeks, um, maybe there's a bit of a worry that maybe burn out too quickly or. And also, I think, aside from anything else, I don't think Iwobi deserves to be dropped anyway after the way he's played the last few weeks. I agree. I think he's been one of our better players, hasn't he? Apart from his, his end product, which obviously needs a lot of work still. Um, but I think maybe... I would certainly stick with the team that beat Chelsea, I think, for Leicester, just because... Um, yeah, I don't always subscribe to the idea that you can't change a winning team, but I think in this case, it was such a team effort on Saturday and they played so well as, as a collective that I think you know, it would be sensible to stick with that for at least for one more game, I think. Because I think we yeah. both kind of expect maybe a similar kind of game in some ways to Leicester. I think they'll have spells where they come on strong against us with Vardy yeah. and Madison especially. So, um, that, that's what I'd be a good idea to stick with that, I think. That's yeah, that, that's, a good, that's a good point, that, isn't it? Um, raised there, that against Leicester, you push high up, then yeah. you leave Vardy, you know, with all the space to run into, don't you? And you'd probably want to Play a similar similar type of formation. Which, if you remember, didn't Ancelotti change it in the game of Goodison last year? No, we talked about yeah. last year. He did something similar, didn't he? He, he yeah, sort yeah. of ended up playing four or five one, I think, at some stage. Uh, he yeah, brought, yeah, he yeah, yeah. But playing extra centre. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with what about you guys over over the Christmas period. Um, but I. You want to see him on the pitch, don't you? If you're an Everton fan, yeah, yeah. especially if if you're a Goodison, you know you'd want you'd want to see him playing, you know, with his quality. I know. I feel sorry for the two thousand he went on Saturday because I'm probably not going to see him now till next season. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He should be laughing early, but well, yeah, yeah. let's hope so. We might get more back in before yeah. the end of the year, but yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. But it does open an interesting question over like. Managing the team over the next what month? Yeah. Four, five, four weeks, Christmas, New Year, um, and then obviously, hopefully, we may have a League Cup semi-final in January. It's 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 a lot of games potentially to be played. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you, you know, Matthew and you made a po- great point, Gavin, you know, just going in this run of games, especially with who, who we're going to, uh, who we're going to play, it's going to be, I think we're going to be looking to be more defensive, which obviously doesn't suit uh, Hamas's, um, you know, style as much, but obviously you want to see him on the pitch going forward. Um, and it'll be interesting, I think, to see what we do in January to see if we bring in a player, on that right side so we can move Hamas into the middle and kind of play him right behind that striker. Uh, like Sigurdsson was playing the other day, see if we change things up in that way. Um, just because I think that, you know, that may even help him get on the pitch more in situations where we need to defend a little bit more and whatnot. Um, final question here as we wrap things up with Chelsea. Uh, Gavin, are you more confident now going into this difficult run of games than you were before this past weekend? Yes. Definitely. Um, I think Carla maybe has found a a formation that he can use against certain type of opponents uh, that works well. Um, so, yes, I am, to, to be fair. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the games that we've got coming up don't look as fearsome as what they may have done a week ago. And you, you get confidence from winning, don't you? Winning. Um, so, I mean, those four get. I mean, I said before, just briefly, before the Leeds, Burnley, and Fulham, you mm. were saying you want seven to nine points from those three games, really, uh, and then see what happens against Chelsea. Um, we only got four, but if you'd have said, would you take seven points from, from the 12. those three games plus Chelsea yeah. out from the yeah. 12, you probably said that's a, maybe a point or two off light, maybe, but you probably settle for that. So it's bought, he's bought us a bit of time and the players by beating Chelsea. And I think with the confidence we can get from that, we can take that into, obviously we've got, well, let's face it, we've got three potentially seasons final matches coming up, haven't we really? The two big games this week and the, the United game. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. So I'm more confident, definitely. Feel more confident about you. I feel more confident about playing Leicester and Arsenal than I do. Sheffield United, to be honest, it's the way I've been. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think I think the Chelsea one was the hardest game we've got, and I think you've seen already Leicester lose to lose to poorer teams like Fulham and Villa, I think, and uh, West Ham, and um, obviously Arsenal are very beatable at the moment, aren't they? So um, I think we proved to ourselves we don't really have anything to fear in these next few games, and um, obviously like fatigue and, and rotation is gonna is gonna come into it, but. Um, like, like Gavin said, it's, it should inject them with so much confidence knowing that they've not only beaten Chelsea but kind of kept them at arm's length and kept a clean sheet as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, these games definitely look a little bit a little bit better. Uh, the tough run of games continues through Leicester Arsenal, obviously Man United in the quarterfinal, and then um, Sheffield on Boxing Day, Man City after that, and then West Ham to finish off the um, the Christmas, that, that Christmas, that winter season where we play like a game every 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, I think, it for uh, any, nothing else you guys want to add, correct, on uh, Chelsea? Are we all good mm. on Chelsea? Yeah. Um, yeah, fine. Yeah, all right. So let's take a quick break um, and we'll be right back with some, you know, Everton news. All right, back and now talking a little bit about some Everton news coming this past uh, over the past week. Uh, the big news, really, uh, Everton's kind of losses, I guess you could say, were announced or the latest accounts. Um, Moshiri increased his Everton investment by another two hundred and fifty million pounds. Meanwhile, Everton's latest accounts show a loss of one hundred and thirty nine point nine million pounds in 2019, 2020 compared to 111.8 million pounds in 2018, 2019, um, you know, a quarter of a billion dollar, uh, pounds in uh, loss in the last two years. Uh, the report also states that there was 63.67.3 million pounds lost due, due to COVID-19. Uh, Gavin, Gavin, thoughts on kind of, you know, your, your initial reaction when these numbers came out and, what this kind of means for Everton as a club, not only from the losses standpoint, but Moshiri increasing his investment by another 250 million pounds. Um, what it means, well, it didn't come as a surprise, um, to be honest with you. Um, we knew that, that the accounts were going to be hit because of, of COVID. 
Um, so that's that's not you know the amount of losses. I mean, not even the highest in Europe. There's been a few clubs. I think Roman was worse than was Roman 170 million, something like that. So you were starting off from a poor financial base. So that figure is not really surprising. Uh, the Machiri thing again, turning the the debt into equity, strengthens the balances a little bit. Um, sort of reaffirms his status. So that that that's not really a surprise. Um, but it does. The one, the one thing that does concern me is that the wages, you know, they say the well-being is measured by the wages to, to turnover ratio, so how much of your money you actually spend that you earn on wages. And ours is really high, isn't it? It's it's getting on to 90%. I think they say, if you get a red light, if you get to 70%, yeah. I think for the second consecutive year, we're 85 90%. And I know it's slightly skewed this year because we haven't got, got all our revenue. Um. And that, that that's the one that's the that's the frightening one for me uh, personally. Um, that would be probably the highest in the Premier League by some distance. And it's sort of the sort of thing you, you see from Championship clubs, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, do you, you think that, do you think that's only because we've still got like a lot of dead wood on the on the books, though? Do you think it would still be like similarly high, even if we had like a, a, a smaller squad? We we have, but we have. Yeah. Well, we all know the players' concerns who are getting paid. You know, yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned Sigurdsson there, haven't you, for the stars, who's probably five million a year or something like that. So you would expect that to, you know, get better over the next couple of years. But at the same time, those accounts don't, don't take account of like the fact that we've got Alan Rodriguez, Decore, Jordan in the summer. Um, so. That is that. That is the one red light. That's a red light for me completely. And you, you, when that happens, there's there's there's, um, there's issues, and that's that's the reason, isn't it, why we are massively overspending? Is we're just spending too much money on wages. I mean, yeah. on football, football, you know, I mean, we'll be done well in the accounts. I think, and brands get stickers. We made forty million profited me on player sales. Which has helped us um, against twenty million last year. So that that shows, you know, the, the, we we sold um, obviously Guy. Um, yeah. I think Vlasic was, was in Luckman, um, yeah. or for, for reasonably big profits. So that's so that's helped us financially. But to play play wages. I mean, I, I think also as well. There's probably a few accountants because because there's been a bit more freedom over FFP because of COVID. Uh, I think there's probably a few little financial costs that they put in for this year. <laughs> no, and that made, they may not be penalised for them uh, compared to future years. So unhealthy, definitely unexpected. Now uh, you would hope that next year we would try and you know if we get some of the deadwood off the wage bill, um, we still need to improve our commercial performance. It will look a bit better, but it's going to take. It'll take a few years to sort out this, but what the club will say is, um, you know, that's it's part of a developing club. This is what happens to clubs when they first start off when they're trying to catch up with bigger, bigger clubs, isn't it? They'll have a load of investment up front, and that's what um, we, we're reflecting our accounts at the moment. Um, been interesting FFP conversation and all that. <laughs> well, let's not go there, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're not, not unexpected. Uh, to you know, to be fair, no, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, you factor in COVID, you factor in because obviously, we, we're talking about the players that we signed like the, the summer before the one just gone, isn't it? So, people like Moise Keane and Goodbarman and people like that, um, obviously, spent a lot of money, obviously, recouped a bit of that, like Gavin was saying, the likes of Gay and, and Luckman. Um, but I think when you consider, you know, the amount we spent there, the loss of it, and then the loss of revenue from, from COVID. Um, I agree. It's not, it's not a massive surprise. I think Gavin made a good point in terms of you almost feel we run a bit like a championship club in the in in the sense that you see a lot of second tier sides just trying to throw money at, at going up, and it, it feels a bit like Everton do that with breaking the top six, which obviously would help them, re, you know, recoup a lot of that money. But if you don't get there, then you end up with, I guess, uh, results like this in, in the financial. Uh, from the financial aspect of it, so um, I think good good that Mashiri is 
increases investment because I think, again, it just kind of reaffirms his commitment. Um, I think what he needs needs to do, we kind of maybe talk about this before, but maybe um, either surround himself with better decision makers or let, uh, you know, better people or better, you know, people with better knowledge of certain aspects of, of football and running a football club make certain decisions, I think. But um, obviously you're not privy to who, who decides what, but um, I get, I, you know, I don't think we're necessarily a particularly well-run club, but I think um, I'd certainly rather have an owner putting in 250 million than say an absentee owner who kind of lost interest. Yeah. And, and, yeah, that seems interesting, isn't it, Matthew? Yeah. I think by Machiri did say about the, the, the need for the club to be self-funded, didn't it? Not to rely yeah. on him bailings and that. That's a, that's a bit of a worry, I think. Um, just a, one final thing about the council. I think there's hopefully stuff on there that won't be there in future years. So, obviously, last yeah. year we was in the council's like seven million they paid out for Sack Silver. Yeah. Something like that. Um, obviously, when Bramley Moore gets its um, plan of permission, we're obviously incurring the costs on our profit and loss at the moment. That that will be what's called capitalised, so that those costs will disappear. Um, so there'll be, there's some stuff on there, as I say, that hopefully won't be there in, in future years, which will help redress the balance. But you, you're looking at it that in future, just to try and get some equilibrium, we've got to sell players at a profit, haven't we? That's, that's the thing, um, like we did last year. Um, and I think um, it would be, be interesting to see what this year's accounts look like. I mean, we'll get some extra TV money back, won't be for the, the seven games that were played this year. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a rocky three or four years, I think, for us. Um, maybe we're only midway through that patch at the moment, you know, at present. So uh, yeah, unexpected. But there'll be lots of clubs show massive differences to last year, won't because of COVID. You know. Oh yeah, like I said, yeah. we're not like a, an outlier in this case, are we? No, no. I mean, if you think some of, I mean. Don't want to turn into a board and accountant podcast, but I think some of the clubs like this year will have no gate revenue. Who get 70, 80 million a year, yeah, a year through money through the gate. Man United, Spurs, Liverpool will show nothing. Um, so they'll be losing that money straight away. So there's, there's, yeah, not not great, but we won't be the only club. I think to be honest with you, in in England, it'll, it'll show a massive shift compared to last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, everybody's dealing with the same kind of thing here um, uh, with COVID-19 and, and kind of losses that they're seeing. And, um, you know, like you said, not unexpected, um, but that wages uh, problem is a, uh, you know, is something that, um, you know, you know, something that needs to be fixed. And I'm sure will be fixed. Um like you said, Gavin, you know, this isn't a one-year project. It's going to take a couple of years to, to get this thing back under control. Um, so hopefully we see that in the future. Um, but again, good to see Moshiri putting in more money um, and, you know, kind of solidifying his investment and, and, and really showing his support for the club and, and that he's, you know, kind of here to stay. Um, and, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, finances are always a difficult thing and, Obviously, this year, more difficult than, than most. Um, and we're going to take another quick break now. But after the break, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the Everton, or excuse me, the Arsenal and the Leicester games coming up uh, this week. All right, we're back and we're going to talk previews now. Obviously, Everton start this uh, crazy Christmas period with uh, two fixtures this week. Leicester uh, will take place tomorrow at time of recording. We're recording Tuesday. So uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, December 16th uh, at 6 p.m. over in England and 1 p.m. here on the East Coast of America. Um, There's not going to be any fans at Leicester. where um, There will be 2,000 fans at Goodison for the Arsenal game on Saturday, December 19th which will take place at 5.30 p.m. in Britain, 12.30 p.m. over here in England. Let's start with Leicester, guys. Um, So far, the third at the time of recording. They beat Brighton 3-0 on Sunday. Um, What do you guys think about Leicester and um, kind of the form right now, Gavin? Interesting. I was just looking today. They've won more Premier League games this season than the other team, haven't they? I think they've won eight. Um, 
bit of a funny team, Leicester, aren't they? Away from home, they're um, superb, aren't they? They play for the strengths, we know what they are, Vardy, etc. At home, I mean, they've had some dreadful results, haven't they? They've lost to, was it Fulham? Yeah. West Ham? Uh, was it Filler? Was it Filler beat them? That's um, the money as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm full of good value, aren't they? From what yeah, I saw, yeah, played them, um, I thought. Yeah, so they're, they're a bit of a funny team. You 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 rather play them there than at Goodison. Uh, and 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 I going back to what we said before, I would suspect that we may set up the same as what we did on um, on Saturday against Chelsea. Bring Leicester on to on to us, and then take it from there. Uh, deny deny the you know Vardy space to operate and then, you know, hurt them. I mean, like we did Chelsea. I mean, because Chelsea game for all, I mean, I know not to go back on it, but just shows you that what we're capable of doing. We still have more shots on target than Chelsea on Saturday, didn't we? Uh, and I would suspect more of the same tactically from us. Uh, and, um, you know, hopefully we've got that, you know, we've got that again in the locker to, to, to spring and, 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 and get, get a couple of goals. Matthew? Yeah, they're, they're a funny team, aren't they? Because like, one week they look brilliant. And, you know, they blew Man City away at the start of the season, didn't they? And uh, blew Brighton away on, on Sunday. But um, I say I watched them against Fulham, and Fulham were good value for that win. They, they, they outplayed them for most of the first half, I thought. Um, so I know, I think Rogers, just looking at like, because they, they've had a lot more games, because they, they're obviously in the, uh, in the Europa, uh, Europa League as well. So, um, I think they've got Tottenham and Manchester United after us. So, whether you'll see him maybe maybe rest. I don't know if, I don't know if he rests Vardy, but maybe plays like Madison or um, who's the fellow at uh, Tielemans or... Uh, yeah. they got a right back as well, I think, called Justin. I think a lot of their fans have been raving about this season. He's had, I think he's played every game and, and had a very good season because uh, what's the name Ricardo? He's been injured. So... I don't think this. Is, I like I said. I don't think this is a harder game than Chelsea. I think um, you know with the home form that they've they've had, which has been up and down. Um, the fact we we beat them last season under under Ancelotti with you know obviously similar 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 teams. Um, but I, I yeah I would I would approach this one. I know we're away from home, but I think I would approach this one like Gavin was saying, similar way to, to Chelsea to be honest, and and uh, kind of look to contain them, but also. Also hit hit them on the counter as well if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know the other game we have this week, Arsenal. Uh, that, like I mentioned, will take place on Saturday. We'll have two thousand fans at Goodison for that one. Um, Arsenal fifteenth at the time of recording. They lost to Burnley one nothing on Sunday. It's their fourth defeat in their last five. Uh, Gavin, what do you what are your thoughts on Arsenal? Hey, well, they're struggling, aren't they? Is it? I mean, that's a, they only got a couple of goals in eight games or something, isn't it? Ludicrous number of goals. Again, I mean, just thinking, you take four points in these two games, wouldn't you? Draw yeah, it, you know, draw it against Leicester yeah. with Silver Arsenal, give you seven points this week. Um, yeah. I think, I think the Arsenal game's winnable. I'd want us to be a little bit more on the front foot though against Arsenal. Um, I think I'd, I'd rather I'd rather see us be a little bit play a little bit more adventurously, uh, have more of the ball because um, they're under pressure. Uh, Arsenal aren't they? So I think um, it's still a difficult. Still got some good players, Arsenal, haven't they? But I think yeah. it's it's a winnable game. I mean, I say these fixtures look we're going back about confidence. These fixtures look all of a sudden be Chelsea. These two fixtures have a completely different look to them as what they did. They did it, uh, say, a week ago. And, uh, yeah, I think Arsenal, I'd like to see us play a bit more, if, you know, um, more on the front foot against the Gunners. Uh, Matthew, I bet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think we had basically the same run of games this time last year, didn't we? And we went unbeaten under Ferguson and that was with, a, you know, a poorer team than the one we got now and, and you know, with much less confidence than they, than they should have now as well. Um, I think the Arsenal game's interesting because it's, kind of almost exactly a year since Ancelotti and Arteta were appointed and um, I don't know I, just, I remember finding it quite strange because a lot of the media narratives seem to be that Ancelotti was kind of the bigger gamble of, of the two appointments when he's won three Champions Leagues and Arteta 
hasn't managed a game. But um, I don't think, you know, I don't think Arteta is, I think Arteta will still be Arsenal manager by then. I don't think he's in danger of losing his job yet or anything. But um, no, you certainly look at this one and say it's the most winnable and the one where it should be, you know, on most on the front foot, I think. I think if you are going to start Rodriguez again, uh, if he's fit, I think the Arsenal game makes the most sense because, uh, like I say, while we while we defended really well against Chelsea and we're very solid, I think if you are going to, uh, you know, make a case for having play more expansively at all in any of these games, I think Arsenal's certainly the game you'd look at and think uh, you can open up a bit more against them and hurt them. It's, a, it's an interesting one, that, isn't it? Because they, they've got Southampton at home, haven't they? They kick yeah. up the same time as us uh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That'll be a tough game, that. You know, yeah, Southampton are a good team, aren't they? So, uh, and uh, they've picked up a few good uh, way results. Um, so, I think um, it'll be interesting, you know, how both teams get on tomorrow night will, will also sort of dictate, I think, mm. Saturday's game as well and, 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 uh, and tactics, perhaps. Um, and um, it'd be interesting to see Pesci building an Arteta imagine if they got beat tomorrow Southampton which is eminently capable of doing from Southampton yeah. uh, I think uh, that'll be an interesting narrative to, to Saturday ironically then Arteta's coming to Cuddleston where he made his name as a player under yeah. tremendous pressure doesn't he yeah um, <laughs> can, I, can I ask a quick question yeah, because I remember I remember listening to your the, uh, the podcast you do with the Echo. You know when when we were looking at appointing Ancelotti, um, I think you were kind of a bit more reserved about appointing him than the other the other ones. That'd be fair to say. That's yeah, fair. yeah, I still I still am. I still am. I was going um, to say I was going to yeah. say is, is he won you over in in the kind of the reservations that you had uh, about um, him. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, good question. No, I'm not particularly. Um, I don't think things have changed that much. Um, I, I think for me, Carl, Carlo is a a a, 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 a nature of talent in terms of keeping talent going and, and rather than a developer of young talent, you know, he 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 will he will sorry he will curate talent. I think is probably the better phrase um, rather than develop younger players. I mean, that's just the way he's made his name as a manager. Um, I, I, and I felt that that wasn't necessarily the best fit for Everton, who ironically wanted somebody like Moyes in two, yeah. uh, at Moyes' 2002 appointment. Uh, and I, I still have, have my doubts whether that will work for us. Um, and I'm not, it's been a bit patchy, hasn't uh, it? You know, the nine games over the summer didn't go that well, and we were sort of not great before lockdown. So I'm not. I wouldn't say I've, I've seen. And some of the signings as well, you know, the core Allen, Rodriguez in terms of their ages. Yeah. Um, not you know you. Th- you, th- you, you think, think that's and, why we're not seeing Kinku um, as well. Yeah, we've been linked. With, yeah. You, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, and, and that's why I get, I, I get on that way. Like Hisco being linked, you know. Um, yeah. For me, Ben Godfrey is a sign, and that the club should be making that type of player, that type of profile. Um, so I think I, I'm still not totally convinced. Having said that, if he is the manager, then I fully support the club giving them the money to get Alan and Decore and Rodriguez because yeah. that's you know you don't appoint Ancelotti and say oh by the way you've got to buy players under the age of 23 and develop them you know <laughs> so Jordy's still out. On and for me, uh, I, I would be. I'd prefer to um, a manager with a, a more, you know, and I, 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 somebody who will develop young talent and you know that that type of profile. Mm. Um, but we will see. It might work. In, in some respects, what, what and, and this sounds um, maybe just sounds like it is like that the COVID thing. I think has stuff has helped. A little bit. I know we've got to keep things as perspective. Is I think that the managers who do well this season are the ones who are experienced. Yeah. And and I've got I've got a lot of a lot of experience to draw on in terms of making decisions. I mean, it's no coincidence that the managers doing well at the top end of the Premiership, are like Mourinho, like Moyes, who are you know big huge experienced managers in the Premier League. Yeah. 
and I think that that will that will help Ancelotti. I think, um, and and so yeah, I think I'm still the jury's still out on them. To be fair, I mean, with all due respect, when people say, "Oh, we've got a world class manager," I'm not totally convinced that Carlo was in fact fantastically uh, so a world class manager. But managers have their like players, they have they have only like a, a limited shelf life at the very top end of the game because things change. They get older. New managers come in with new tactics, new ideas, you know. And you see that constantly with footballers, as as I've seen throughout my life. And Carlo's time as a world class manager, I think, probably ended a few years ago. But you're gonna you've got to see them the pubs he's managed. With all due respect to us, um, but. At the same time, a manager with a point to prove can also be very valuable, can't he? You see, we've seen that with Mourinho, aren't you, at Spurs? He's got a point to prove, hasn't he, with Mourinho? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think Moise is the same. Got a point to prove, being written off. And I think hopefully that will work with Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah. You, you you would you would hope so. You know, obviously, like you mentioned, there are, there have been some bumps in the road, and there have been some some things that have have caused some people to have some reservations in terms of you know even this season having some some questionable selections in teams, and you know, really would people I'm sure fans I'm sure would have liked to have seen Gordon or 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 Nkunku at some point, especially with the injuries that we've had. Um, so certainly some reservations there, but uh, you know, so far I think. He's done, you know, a, a pretty decent job, and especially like you said, with the experience that he has uh, during. The yeah, season. yeah, I get that. I mean, because we were a bit of a. I mean, though Duncan did. I mean, to be fair, Duncan did a really good job, didn't he, in those three or four yeah. games in terms of settling the ship. I mean, so because and giving something for Carlo to work with. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, yeah, so it, it, it so definitely helped. That definitely helped. It's just, I, I think, and also as well, we are operating on there. You know, quite strict financial uh, yeah. rules and stuff. So you know, there's players that he probably wants to get rid of that he can't get rid of because of the wages they're on. So he is operating under some restrictions, and and I've seen some really good things. You know, like Saturday was a real tactical masterclass, wasn't it? Yeah, you, know, you saw that. There's lots of positive, but I still have my. I, I'm still in the jury's out, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't do a great job for us over the next couple of years. Um, and you know, and, and hopefully, you, you see, you know, he's got Cavalier scoring goals. He's, you know, I think we've got a better balance in midfield. Even I mean, we need Kabamin in, don't we? That's that's the one thing that's the, the lack of a defensive midfielder has cost us. I think <clears> this yeah. season in particular, and that's the other thing where judging them, we've not had a, a fit, fully fit defensive midfielder like Kabamin all the year. Uh, and that's you know you've seen the goals he conceded this season. He tended to be having the great players who got in that space just in front of the penalty area, or being able to run and not being tracked, and that that being left with loads of space in at the edge of our box. You've seen that against Man United, didn't you? Um, and uh, the absence of a defensive midfield has been painful, and it's not helped this year, this season because we lost both fullbacks. So as much as not giving stick, saying maybe should be doing better. There has been there has been some mitigating factors, haven't there, uh, yeah. over the over the last sort of couple of months at least. Yeah, I think COVID is obviously like one of them in terms of you know the the, the schedule and also I think like I said the absence of fans maybe takes takes away an extra ingredient that the players maybe draw on sometimes as well. And I think um, also I think with the with the situation with like the transfer window this year, I don't think. I don't think you could, you know, feasibly expect him to get everyone in who he wanted in the space between, like, this, the end of last season and the start of this season, because only six or seven weeks, wasn't it? So it's not really enough time, I don't think, to get a new, new squad to gel um, as well. And I think, I think it's a good point that you say, you know, whether he was a world class manager or he still is. I don't think we should we should say, you know, aren't we so lucky to have a world class manager and then just not ever kind of hold him to account over anything? I think. Um, yeah, yeah, within, yeah. Within exactly. the right to, to criticise him over over certain things, but I think, and I understand, you know, your kind of reservations about him longer term make make perfect sense to me. But I think so far, I think you'd say we're certainly in a better position than the money took over, and I think 
there are, you know, quite a few, I would say, like, obvious signs of improvement in, you know, individual players and also team's mentality, the way we play, I think, has improved as well. So, um, certainly go into these games a lot more confident than you would have done under maybe previous managers, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, because you're back as experience, wouldn't you? Yeah, that, that's the thing, isn't it? You're back as experience and the respect that he commands. And I think that's it. I think at the moment in football, that's enormous, enormously beneficial, isn't it? Because yeah. everybody is under pressure, and uh, because of the current uh, situation, obviously with COVID and stuff. So that that experience is 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 invaluable, isn't it? Really, in a manager, as to say, I suspect that's why you have got like the likes of Moyes and Mourinho near the top of the. Uh, the Premier League at the moment, who, who've been knocking about the English game for what best part of 20 years. Um, and, and I think uh, Carlo certainly falls into that category. And, and, and the signs were great. So I really like the signs he made in the summer. I think uh, they all offer something differently and, and, and sort of did assess some of the, the imbalances we had in, the, in midfield, didn't they? Which everybody could see at the end of the last season. And, and the other thing as well is, I, I, you touched on it there, Matthew. Is I don't think he's had a proper transfer window yet. <laughs> really, because no, you come in December, well, it's January, he's not going to really be doing much. He's, he hasn't really had the chance to see the players. There's not really a transfer window that you would call a transfer window in the summer, was it? It was all a bit artificial. So yeah. he, he he would argue I've not had a properly lengthy transfer window to 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 sort things out. Um, you know, and and. Um, you know, and that that hopefully will be will will happen in in, in the future. Obviously, um, so there are the mitigating factors there. Uh, seems some good things, some not so good. Um, but you know, we you've, you've got as as long as the club back him, that's enough for me. And they have backed them so far in in the the, the, the signs that they've made in the summer, which is obviously the players that he wanted to bring in. Absolutely. Um, guys, uh, let's wrap this thing up. What are your predictions for this uh, these next two games? Uh, Gavin, I guess we'll start with you. Prediction for Leicester and, and prediction for Arsenal. I, I, I'm the world's worst uh, predictor. I'm, I'm, when in doubt, I always say one or So I'm going to say one or Leicester beat Arsenal 2-0. How about you, Matthew? I'd say 2-2 on Wednesday and 2-1 on Saturday. I think I think I don't think Arsenal. I don't think anyone expects Arsenal to be an easy game, but I don't think it'll be maybe quite as comfortable as you might think based on like their form. Uh, but I still fancy us to beat us um, based on what I saw on Saturday, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, uh, I'm gonna steal one from each of you guys because I kind of agreed. Uh, you know, I agree with the one all against Leicester, um, and then Arsenal. I think two one is probably a good scoreline for that as well. Um, not sure we keep a clean sheet, but but think we get the win there. All right, that's it for us. Uh, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us, us this week. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, thank, pleasure to be asked. Happy, yeah. happy to be on in the future. Yeah, absolutely, we'd love to have you back. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much as always for joining us. Um, and uh, to the guys out there, everybody listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Make sure you continue to subscribe, continue to, to get those downloaded episodes each week so you can hear uh, our opinions every week if, uh, if that's what you like. Um, uh, but other than that, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys next week.